Today in the Joy in the Word podcast, we pick up in the Gospel of Matthew. Yes, we are beginning. The Gospel of Matthew begins the New Testament. We are now beginning a new study, and I'm excited to go forward in this. Um, The book of Matthew actually begins with the genealogy of Jesus. Now, the genealogy of Jesus is listed two places in the scripture, obviously in Matthew and also in the Gospel of Luke. And there are several differences between the two Gospels, and I just want to read that to you, not in my own words, but in the words of biblical scholars, so that you understand exactly what the differences are. So it says, Matthew begins with Abraham, that's the father of the Jewish people, while Luke traces the line in reverse order and goes all the way back to Adam. This shows Jesus's relationship with the entire human race. From Abraham to David, the genealogies of Matthew and Luke are almost the same. Now, from David on, they're different. So, some scholars suggest that um, Matthew traces the legal descent of the house of David using only heirs to the throne, while Luke traces the complete line of Joseph all the way to David. But they think the more likely explanation is that Matthew follows the line of Joseph, which is Jesus's legal father. Obviously, we know it's not his genetic father, since God is his father. And then Luke emphasizes that Mary, being Jesus's mom, is actually his blood relative. And so basically, we're getting the line of Joseph and the line of Mary. And there are those notable differences as we go through them. So I'm going to read what the book of Matthew says as the genealogy of Jesus. And like we said before, it is mostly the legal one and through uh, Joseph. It says the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah, and his brothers. And of course, it lists Judah, since Jesus comes from the line of Judah. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. Amminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And we know from the book of Luke, and we know through that genealogy, that Jesus actually comes from the line of Nathan, not from the line of Solomon. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abihah, Abihah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. And they point this out very specifically because the Babylon exile was such a focal point in the history of the Israelites. It says after the exile to Babylon, 
Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. Abiud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Methan. Methan, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Now, here's the thing that ties all of that together and why it is so relevant, because God is perfect in every detail down to every birth in every generation. So verse 17 says, thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. So 14 generations, 14 generations, and 14 generations, specifically and exactly down to the detail of every single person that was born. Nothing that God does is on accident. Now picking up in verse 18, it is entitled The Birth of Jesus Christ. And we've talked about this extensively in our discussion of the birth of Christ in our Christmas podcast, but we're going to go through it specifically here again in the book of Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her, to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. In verse 23, it says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home with him as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. He gave him the name Jesus. Now moving on to chapter 2. This portion of the chapter is entitled The Visit of the Magi. And this is only discussed here in the Gospel of Matthew. The Magi were men from the east. This is where we get the word magic. Actually, the root word is the same. But it, it actually means wise men. It really has nothing to do with magic as we understand it today. So these wise men, as we call them, and we actually don't even know that there were three of them. We just know that there were a group of these wise men, which we've actually discussed this in greater detail in the discussion of the birth of Jesus. So it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, and this is to indicate that, again, Jesus is from the line of Judah, it says, during the time of King Herod, and this is Herod the Great, 
Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Now these are people that came from somewhere else, from far off. They're not Jewish. They're clearly Gentile people, men from the east. And yet they recognize that Jesus is the king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And this is the prophet Micah that has written this. It says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Of course, Herod has ulterior motives here, but is lying so that he can find out where Jesus is. Obviously, his plan is to kill him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now this is why people assume that there were three wise men, because there were these three gifts that they brought. All of these gifts being of the greatest value, of the of the most amount of understanding of, of a gift that you could give to someone. They brought their very best, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, they did not go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. Now moving on to verse 13, this portion of the chapter is entitled, The Escape to Egypt. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now Herod was in fact afraid of opposition. He was a ruthless dictator practically that did everything that he could to eliminate anyone who might take over his crown. He was actually known for murdering his own wife, his three sons, his mother-in-law, his brother-in-law, his uncle, and many other people. So this was simply a continuation of his ruthlessness. So it says, so Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. We don't know exactly how long they were there, but we know that they stayed there until Herod's death. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And this was Hosea that spoke these words, saying, Out of Egypt, I called my son. And you'll remember that originally Israel, as a group of people, they went to Egypt. And they were slaves there for 400 years. You'll remember the story. And then the Lord sent Moses. And he brought them up out of Egypt. 
and he called them into a land, a land of milk and honey, a promised land, a, a land where he wanted to be their father and have them rely only on him. So he called them up out of Egypt as a foreshadowing. Them. And now then he's calling Jesus up out of Egypt. So when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, and that's in Jeremiah chapter 31. You'll remember that he said, A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So then picking up in verse 19, this is after Herod died, and they returned to Nazareth. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And this is why we refer to Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Now, the thing about Nazareth at the time was the understanding of the place, the group of people there. It was it was a group of people in a place that was despised. And we know that the prophets had said the entire time that, that Jesus would be a man that was despised. And here he is in a place where the people are despised. They say no good thing can come from Nazareth. And that ends chapter 2. And so we will pick up next time with John the Baptist preparing the way in chapter 3.